Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey everyone, Ron Spomer back with the Ron Spomer Outdoors podcast, questions and answers. And before I get to the questions, some answers from the previous one from our listener. Several people commented on a new cartridge. Yes, believe it or not, we're getting another new cartridge. But boy, there are a lot of folks excited about this one. Before I show it to you or describe it to the podcast listeners, I would like to point out what I have in front of me, a 338 Winchester Magnum. Now, you're not seeing this on a podcast, but the 338 Winchester Magnum, you might be familiar with the 300 Winchester Magnum, if not the 338. So think of the size of that. And then think, where did we go from there? And about 15 years ago, we decided we needed something bigger, and they came up with the 338 Lapua Magnum. That is a big one. Shoots the same diameter bullets, but as you can see here, oh, it's got a lot more powder capacity. So that is a real boomer. And that seems to be the way bullet or cartridge development goes. Bigger, harder, faster. Guess what? Here's the latest hot 338. This short little, <laughs> the bullet is as long as the powder. If you're not watching this and you're just listening, seriously, I am looking at a short little case on which there is a bullet that is as long as the powder capacity of the case. And this crazy thing is called the 8.6. <laughs> I can hardly believe they're going to actually do this. The 8.6 blackout. So that should give you a clue. You take the 300 blackout, which I thought was a ridiculously small little cartridge, and you move that neck out to take a 338-inch diameter bullet, and there it is. And guys are excited about it, and I'm thinking, come on. How fast and effectively can that little powder supply drive that big of a bullet? And what I have here is a 210-grain TTSX Barnes bullet on this one and a 300 grain, 300 grain bullet on that. <laughs> I'm not going into all the details, but I've got myself some cartridges. We're doing the research and in an upcoming episode of Ron Spomer Outdoors, we are going to cover the 8.6 blackout. And I think you will be impressed with what this little thing can actually do. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone for bringing that to my attention and insisting that I cover it. We are on it. But in the meantime, we are going to answer some more questions. And here is one from an interesting person whose name is, at least on the internet here, Infantile Pillock, whatever that is. So I don't know if I should call him Pillock or Infantile, but let's just go with Pillock. Pillock asks, 
Isn't the 4570 a bit too slow for a TSX bullet, even though it, it's a light 300 grain bullet? So the 4570 originally, as a government cartridge, I think shot a 405 grain bullet. So a 300 grain is really considered light. Although in most cartridges, we're used to shooting at deer and elk, it's considered heavy. But there it is. So is that 4570 too slow? Yes, it depends on how you're loading it up. Now, most commercial 4570 ammo throwing a 300 grain bullet are going to get 1,800, maybe 1,900 feet per second. It is pretty darn slow. Will it open that TSX bullet? Well, as luck would have it, I actually have some experience taking game with that very load in Africa. Barnes bullets on Barnes loaded cartridges going around 1850, if I remember right, shot in 1895 Marlin lever action rifle. What a sweet, slick, beautiful rifle that was. And... Although I wasn't impressed with the terminal performance of the bullet, they did expand, and they expanded a lot. So that wasn't the issue. What the issue was, I'm not really sure, because it took a lot of bullets to slow down those little warthogs that I was shooting. But yes, they will open up. And this is what Barnes does. Probably all the manufacturers of copper bullets with those hollow noses that are designed to open up. They open the noses wider and wider, I believe as the velocity of an expected cartridge goes down. So, for instance, if you were shooting a uh, 308 cartridge of some kind, it could be a 308 Winchester, a 3030, or a 3378, they're going to have different diameter nose openings on those bullets, depending on what you're going to use it for. And I think that's what they're doing with the 4570, because it I can't show you here, obviously, because we're doing a podcast. And even though we do a YouTube video version of it, I don't have these questions ahead of time. So I can't get off this stuff to show you. But there's a pretty dramatically wide opening on the nose of that 300 grain TSX bullet. So, yes, the answer is the 4570 is slow, but it's not so slow that you're not going to get expansion out of those bullets. Next question is from EVL. Would the 338 Lapua Magnum be okay for hunting planes game? Well, now we are in luck. Even though I didn't know the question, I do happen to have that 338 Lapua right here. Wow, is that okay for hunting planes game? That's more than okay for hunting planes game. You know, the 338 Winchester Magnum is considered just about the ideal elk cartridge, and it's remarkably effective on similar-sized animals in Africa. And I have used it over there with great success. So you just add a bunch of velocity to the same bullets with that 338 Lapua, and you're going to have incredible terminal performance. Whether or not you want to carry the rifle and take the recoil with this big guy, that's up to you. But it certainly has more than is needed for terminal performance. Um, I don't know how many people would bother using it over there. I'm sure some, probably quite a few folks. I have never seen it in the field myself, but that doesn't mean much. Um, if you are interested in using it, I'd say go for it. All right. Question number three is from someone called 308 Dad. He's either the father of a 308 or he's a father and he shoots a 308. I'm going to bet on the latter. I dare say dead is dead. What does it matter if it was fired from a front stuffer or the latest Ultra Magnum? Well, Dad, I think you're making a pretty good point here, and a lot of people have made this. Is and one of the complaints is that we. Rifle nuts, we cartridge crazies who are always 
picking away at all the little details on this stuff. Is it really necessary? And of course it isn't. And many people will point out that we have been taking game up to the size of mastodons with rocks and spears. <laughs> and, and people still take elephants with arrows, a bow and arrow, uh, as well as grizzly bears and everything else. So the point is, you don't need a bigger hammer to take game. You just need to use the right hammer or the right impact device, bullet, arrow, and put it in the right place. So does it matter if you shove a 385 grain bullet down a 50 caliber muzzle loader or a 150 grain bullet from a 30-06 or something from a 338 Lapua Magnum? Yes, it really doesn't matter. It's the right bullet in the right place. And when I say right bullet, which is pretty often, what I mean is the bullet that's designed both for the animal that you're hunting and the velocity you expect to drive that bullet or the velocity you expect to land on the animal. So if you're shooting, as we mentioned earlier, a 30-30, that bullet is starting off pretty slow, so it would be a fairly soft bullet to expand, but you don't want it too soft that it breaks up. Usually not a problem in a 30-30, but if you would use that same soft bullet in a 30-378 Weatherby or a 300 Remington Ultra Magnum, yikes, it might break into pieces really quickly. So you try to balance the construction of the bullet and the weight of the bullet to the powder reservoir that's driving it. And then 308 Dad is absolutely right. You know, if you do all that right, it doesn't really matter on terminal performance. But there's more to hunting and shooting than terminal performance ballistic trajectory performance. That's where most of us are doting on all these numbers and making these little fine selections. Do we want to shoot a little bit flatter, reach a little bit farther to compensate for misjudging the range? It just makes it easier to park your bullet accurately where it belongs. And the other thing is wind deflection. The faster you drive a bullet and the higher the ballistics coefficient on the bullet, the less the wind is going to affect it getting downrange. And that can make a big difference on a hit and a miss. So there are good reasons to use an ultra magnum instead of an old muzzleloader. <laughs> but if you're the quintessential hunter who really likes to develop your, your field craft and your woodsmanship, you want to be the stalker and the hunter. You're not so concerned about ballistic performance as you are in your performance. How close can I get? And for many of us, that is the real satisfaction and the real challenge of hunting stalking close to game, and then you don't worry too much about all this ballistic stuff. So yes, to a degree, they're two different sides of the same coin, and they're both enjoyable. So flip the coin, take your pick, and enjoy yourself. The key is to hunt honest and shoot straight. All right, number four from David. And David asks, was Covey the cover girl for the July 2022 issue of American Hunter magazine? And according to friends of mine, she was. I haven't seen the magazine yet. Oh, man. The American Hunter Magazine is a publication from the uh, NRA. They have the Rifleman and uh, the American Hunter. And when you become a member, you can sign up to get one or the other. Well, since I write for American Hunter, they send me contributor copies. So I went with the American Rifleman, for which I don't write very often. So I can see both of them. So that's why I haven't seen the actual magazine in which I have an article on Covey's hunting season last year. So if you'd like to see that, contact the NRA, uh, American Hunter Magazine Division, and see if you can't get a hold of one. And the rate at which it's not coming in the mail, <laughs> I think I need to call my editor and see if he'll send me one. 
Usually it's here by now, but I haven't seen it. Of course, I took the picture, so I pretty much know what it looks like. But if I had one, I would show you. But hey, hats off to Cubby. She was uh, an excellent model and cover girl. She is a beautiful English setter, and she is tickled to be on there. Her head got a little bit swelled up. I had to treat her with extra special deference for a few days after she heard that she was the cover girl. Oh, by the way, the article inside, of course, is all about her too. And what we did was we went hunting last year in Idaho, and we tried to take at least one of every upland game bird species that can legally be hunted in this state. And there are nine of them. We got eight. The only one we could not find was the spruce grouse, which is, yeah, it's, it's high. It's probably above 7,000 feet in the northern mountains of Idaho. And the usual place at which I find them was shut down due to a forest fire. So we were scouting in some new places. And though we gave it a good try, we just couldn't come up with one. So eight out of nine ain't bad. All right, this is from Camel or Camille. Today we are pressing combat rifles into hunting, target rifles into hunting, military night vision and sniper equipment into hunting, and so on. Why? Why not keep things separate where they were intended to be? Legitimate question, but it takes a little bit of historical perspective. Because we have been pressing combat rifles into hunting for as long as rifles have been invented. When you think about it, the common bolt-action hunting rifle, the Springfield, the Mauser, those were military rifles. They were designed for the military, as were the cartridges. So the 8x57, the 7x57, the 30-06, a lot of, if not most, of our early hunting rifles and cartridges were initially military. And I guess there, a similar thing would be think of some of the, the high-tech tools that we use that were initially designed by the military for military purposes because they sort of push the envelope. You know, when, when your life is on the line, you need innovation to come up with a way to save it, like a Kevlar vest or helmet and whatever they've come up with. Innovation is driven by military needs. And, of course, the commercial market for the citizenry, you just naturally take on because they're so effective. So I don't think you can definitely say this is absolutely nothing but a military application tool, whether it's the bullet or the cartridge or the powder or the rifle that launches it. But I do get your point is that essentially, when are we going to stop applying more and more high-tech tools to our hunting? As many will say, hunters have known what to do to be effective hunters for probably millions of years. I mean, I don't know how far back you go with chucking rocks and spears to take down whatever game we took down. Definitely mastodons and that sort of thing, I would guess. Um, but we've been at it for a long time and we were pretty darned effective. Um, yes, we often had to group hunt like the uh, Native Americans driving bison off of cliffs and stuff. Um, that might not be considered a fair approach these days. But then again, uh, they probably don't think it's fair to use a scoped rifle. Everyone has his idea of what is too much technology. But I know where you're going with this question, Camel, and that is yeah, yeah, night vision, anything that's using a battery. Uh, you start to go, hey, wait a minute. Am I hunting here or am I just sort of watching my tools do the hunting for me? Huh. I don't have a hard and fast answer for it. I think each of us has to take that on for ourselves. There is the argument that if you get too much of this electronic equipment, 
you are insulating yourself from the actual hunt. And I get that instinctively because I am that way, but to a degree. Because when I grew up learning to shoot rifles, rifle scopes were sort of the standard. Uh, there were still plenty of open sights around, and a lot of the old guys would say, oh, you kids in those dang fancy scopes, and you know, that's a military thing. You don't need that to go hunting. Well, you just use your open sights. We've been doing that for 100 years. Yeah, and that's true, and there are folks who still choose that. But my eyesight isn't so good anymore that I can depend on a good, clean shot. So I justify a scope by saying it enables me to make a precise, clean shot, and that's the point, right? So someone else might say, well, a laser rangefinder, same thing. It tells me that this animal is too far for me to take a good shot because it's out of my capabilities. But then you can abuse it and say, well, it says it's 716 yards away and I've got this little mechanical device. I can change my scope and adjust things up and I can launch one. No boy, there's where the problems come in. So everyone needs to study this stuff and decide for him and herself what we think is fair. Because remember, as much as we hunt for meat and it can be a part of your sustainable living, and I like to think it that's what I've always done with hunting. That is the meat we eat in our family. Yeah, we occasionally buy some beef and pork and chicken and everything else. But I try to put as much meat in the freezer from native wild game as I can. And I need to balance that with what is really partly recreation. Because I love to hunt for more reasons than I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm hungry spiritually as well as nutritionally. So... All that stuff is what we do want to keep in mind. But it's a darn good question, Camel, and I would recommend that everyone think about it deeply and decide why am I out there hunting and do I really need all of these high-tech crutches in order to enjoy myself and take the game that I need for my meat? That's my answer to that one, right or wrong. All right, number seven, RPK. Ask if you have the same grain weight bullet, the same amount of powder, and the same weight rifle but in different chamberings, would recoil be the same? I think if I understand this correctly, it would. In other words, you've got an eight-pound rifle, you have a 150-grain bullet, and you're pushing it at 3,000 feet per second, it's going to be the same recoil because it's the ejecta mass and the velocity pushing the rifle backwards so that is tamed by the rifle's weight, and then you, your weight, tames it even more. So I think I said this in a previous broadcast. The recoil is the greatest at the butt of the rifle and the comb where it hits you in the head, hits you in the cheek, depending on whether it's kicking up more or back more. You're absorbing all of that, but you're moving. So if anything's behind you, you're the recoil slamming into it. That's why we don't recommend you sit against a tree and shoot a 458 lot or a 500. <laughs> so, yeah, recoil, it's, it's just Newton's law. For every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction. So the bullet's weight and the ejecta weight and the velocity going downrange, that is energy going out that way. It's pushing back with the same energy against you and the weight of the rifle. So, yeah, I think so. Grain weight bullet's the same. Powder's the same. Rifle weighs the same. And I throw in same velocity. So whether it's a 150-grain bullet out of a 270 at 2,900 feet per second or out of a 30 out six at 2,900 feet per second, same recoil. Should be the same. Yep. Hey, that's a good question. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff we uh, ask about with shooting and rifles and ballistics and all that is really physics. 
And I don't know if you're still in school and you get a chance to take physics, take it. Because I didn't thinking that, I don't, what's all that's got to do with me? I just want to go hunting and write about it. So I missed an opportunity. It was only when I started trying to understand ballistics and trajectories and choosing cartridge that I got interested in basic physics, Newtonian physics. And even though Einstein pushed uh, a lot of that stuff in the background, in the real world, it's Newtonian physics that affect us. And especially the uh, rifles we shoot and the bullets and the game we take and all, all that stuff we are doing, that's not Einsteinian. That is Newtonian physics. And it's really fun to understand it. So if you're a parent or a grandparent and you've got kids who are poo-pooing science and, and physics in school and stuff, Get them involved with cartridges and ballistics and rifles and let them know that this stuff really applies to real life. There are some important lessons you can learn about it, and I think they'll be better all-around citizens and certainly better shooters and uh, hopefully hunters in the future. Those are the questions for today, folks. So I want to thank everyone for throwing those out there. And in some of the previous segments, I want to thank folks who drummed the 8.6 blackout into me. So I would look into it. We are going to be getting to a full-length video on that one of these days. In the meantime, this is Ron Spomer thanking you for listening, and we will see you next time down the road. Be sure to check out ronspomeroutdoors.com, our website, and Ron Spomer Outdoors on YouTube. Until next time, this is Ron Spomer on Honest and Shoot Straight. that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western a mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv when you go out there and the fish are where you think they are any one of these casts could be the bite it's the most exciting fishing that i know right here at hawks cave Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.